G'day everyone, welcome to Dale K's Big Backyard. I am Dale K, your host, and for the next 20 minutes or so, we'll dive into some gardening questions, um, a few things that have been on my mind lately, an experience that I had tasting some amazing new wine. You're going to want to stick around for that. And also, we're going to call this, let's call this the Aloha edition of Dale K's Big Backyard. I'm doing the podcast live from the beautiful island of Oahu, in particular, more or less, pretty close to downtown Honolulu. And there's a lot of things, actually, there's many things, a lot of things I love about Hawaii. And I'm going to share um, a couple of those with you here a little bit later on. But first, I want to dive into something that I touched on a little bit last week, and that was urban uh, urban forests and how planting diversity in our own backyards will help um, mitigate in maybe a small way, but definitely uh, mitigate climate change. And where I'm, uh, or where I'm from, or living currently in uh, the Minnesota area, there is, um, it's kind of a big issue where we would just want to be a little bit greener. And I guess that's probably an issue where you are as well and how urban forests can help climate change. Now, there is some research from the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources that says we have uh, increased our temperature two degrees Fahrenheit since the early 1900s. So trees themselves are finding it a little bit harder to also acclimate to these current changing climates. So uh, I alluded to some of the best trees that you can plant in your neck of the woods um, to help climate change. And we don't have to be uh, planting hundreds of trees. You know, obviously most of us live in a certain um, footprint of our yards, but the key is planting diversity. Diversity in species. Uh, and I've, we've seen this with common problems with trees that end up suffering from disease or uh, some pestilence that comes through, pests that come through. And all of a sudden, if we're planting too many of the same tree, it almost becomes a little bit of a monoculture in our urban forest. So that's what we want to that's what we want to plan against. And then in the same token, plant trees that are likely to uh, do well, if not thrive in some e- increasing um, temperatures. So in and in my neck of the woods, and let, let's talk about the upper, upper Midwest um, in general, but this will apply to where you live as well. And plant native trees. That's, you know, at the end of the day, the bottom line, planting native trees is a really good way to go. And also a good way to go, not only when we're talking um, uh, green infrastructure like urban forests, but even in our ornamental landscapes, planting uh, ornamental grasses, ornamental shrubs uh, that are native, um, native perennials, um, are a lot less taxing on on the environment. They'll use a lot less water. And of course, there'll be a lot more disease and pests resilient. So so what are are the top trees to plant in the upper Midwest for for an urban forest? So my list, and, and the list is longer, but here's my top trees that you can plant in your backyard. And the reason I picked these is because they're relatively easy to grow they're easy to find. Uh, your your favorite local uh, garden shop will will carry those. Uh, will, will carry them, so they're they're readily available. Um, 
and they're native. And most importantly, they are expected to uh, be able to tolerate and if not thrive in rising uh, temperatures. So here's the list. The first one is uh, the white oak. Actually, I have two oaks. The first one is white oak. Fabulous tree. Has a great lobe foliage. Um, very kind of glossy green. Has some great structure to it. Um, as far as, um, you know, the way it looks. Even when, when the leaves are just kind of hanging on there in the fall. Just the, the great structural um the structural look of the tree itself um, is sturdy and strong and and robust. It just it just looks like a fabulous. It's almost like a, a chiseled bodybuilder of, of, of trees. The bark is uh, really rough and exactly what you'd expect of a of an oak tree. And of course, you get that wonderful uh, wonderful uh, fall color in the in the foliage. The next one is the bur oak, another great oak that you can plant for. An urban forest uh, will do absolutely well in uh, an increasing uh, change of climate and even uh, and also has some really cold hardiness um, attributes to it as well. The next tree on my list, and I have four of them, the white oak, the bur oak if you're if you're keeping track, and then also hackberry. Celtus is another great tree. It's a, a great native tree that also has some unique structure to the to the tree itself has a has a rather dense canopy so if you're looking for a natural air conditioner uh, for your home something that will cool down your home just just naturally uh, has a has a great canopy to the leaf structure um, so the the common hackberry is a great tree and then rounding up my top list is is the American elm and just just what an outstanding tree and this tree in particular is probably the best you know when you think of an urban forest or um, uh, a tree that uh, municipalities and councils are planting the American elm is is right up there with with a great urban urban tree but most importantly and I'll just go back to my original um, statement on this um, adding a mix of trees species that are expected to thrive in increasing temperatures is really what's really what's good, and um, of course you get all the the the, the benefits of of a tree. It it just it you know it's pumping oxygen into the air. It's taking out and filtering out uh, car, uh, carbons and and all the bad stuff. It's it's uh, holding soil together. Um, it's critical for for habitat of um, vulnerable um, species, and it they, you know you just get all these great uh, benefits. Of course, of planting trees, you know, uh, you know the best one is you know the the reducing of of carbon and pollutants out of the air is is just amazing. Of course, for trees. So there they are. Uh, if you're looking to, to add to your urban forest. Uh, looking to help um, mitigate climate change, uh, green I call it green infrastructure. You call it what you want. Uh, green infrastructure, planting a tree, and I guess the only the only bad thing I guess is uh, uh, when you're talking about tree planting is it's just too bad we didn't plant one yesterday, right? Because you know trees take a little bit of time to to grow. So there's that old saying is the only the only bad thing is I didn't plant a tree yesterday. So native trees are, are great. Um, and uh, 
by Crikey, it's February where I am. I can't plant a tree, but I'm already excited to to add to the diversity of of my backyard. Okay, the Aloha State. Um, I love coming here. It's one of my favorite places to visit, particularly when it's cold out. But really, any time of year uh, you come here, um, the weather's great. The, the people are great. There is a little bit of an, uh, an Aloha uh, vibe, uh, very friendly. Um, of course, lots of things to love about um, the great state of Hawaii, apart from the people, apart from the weather. Um, for me personally, I love Polynesian culture. I, I remember when I was a kid, I grew up in, in Adelaide, Australia, and one of my first or my family's first vacations was to the island nation of Fiji. And the people, the Polynesian people, um, uh, and of course, they're, they're, uh, Fiji is, is Micronesia, it's not exactly Polynesia, but that Polynesian influence um, really kind of um, intrigued me, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. Um, but the Polynesian culture, what really amazes me is that they basically colonized the Pacific Ocean and did so island to island uh, across, a, a, you know, a vast ocean. You know, the Pacific Ocean is huge, but they they basically inhabited the, uh, you know, from New Zealand all the way up to all the way up to Hawaii. But really what fascinates me the most about the Polynesian culture is they basically bought everything with them, which is kind of kind of amazing. So you know when you think of um, some of the the plants that you would think na- uh, native to Hawaii, not really native to Hawaii, but used in their in their culture and their cooking, you think of taro right away. Um, but taro is actually native to um, we think India and made it to China and then into Polynesia and then the Polynesians took it throughout. The islands, and particularly in the Hawaiian island chain, here they planted taro in you know, next to rivers and streams, and there was a lot of bogs and swamps and and things like that. They kind of planted uh, taro is kind of a marginal wet plant, so they planted it along all these streams, and they uh, it's deeply rooted in their culture. They use it in cooking. Um, you, you'll find taro chips and all sorts of touristy stuff as well. Um, but they bought that. Basically, the Polynesians bought that with them they bought bamboo with them to to help build the bamboo's not native to to any of the polynesian nations but they bought that with them as well um coconut they bought that as well um one of the great things i do um i do like about hawaii is the the breadfruit and again that was also um somewhat uh, bought into this area but breadfruit, and I had the chance to try uh, breadfruit. It's um, it's one of those few plants that you the the fruit itself you can eat when it's immature or mature. If it's if it's immature, it tastes a little bit like artichoke. If it's mature, it tastes like a, a potato. So, and this plant is also um, kind of deeply rooted into Hawaiian culture and, and cooking. And there's there's some great botanical gardens here in the great state of Hawaii, but there's a, a national tropical fruit botanical garden, and they've done a lot of research there over the years 
with breadfruit, and they think that it will actually become one of those fruits that um, can feed or help sustain starving nations. It's high in protein, it's high in carbohydrates, it's it's loaded with good stuff, and particularly the mature um, breadfruit will um, uh, is is very starchy, very much like a potato, and they're thinking that uh, for poor countries, poor people. Um, the, the, the tree itself produces something like 250 fruits a year. So it's kind of a, a prolific um, producer of this fruit. So um, per capita, uh, per tree, um, it's, it's, gonna, it, it's a great alternative uh, for, for protein and for carbohydrates. But write this name down. If you're ever in uh, the Honolulu area, there's a great restaurant called, um, it's called Mud Hen Water, Mud Hen water, and it's it's a great neighborhood restaurant. It's, it's not in Waikiki. Um, it's not part of the tourist um, scene, um, but it's a great restaurant that does a lot of great um, things with um, Hawaiian native um, ingredients, and then has a great kind of um, a foodie spin uh, with that. But anyway, I was I was there the other night. had had, a, had the great opportunity to dine there, and they had breadfruit. Um, as one of as one of the dishes, one of the best um, dishes I've ever had in all my life. Um, it re- it it changed the way I thought uh, thought about this this fruit, this plant, probably forever. Um, and is really a, a really great. It, it had a fermented um, black bean uh, kind of curd thing mixed with it. Um, but anyway, amazing. But um, I love I love the Polynesian culture. I love it that they colonized this huge vast ocean and i love it that they kind of brought all these things um uh they brought all the everything they needed on these uh, these outrigger canoes and uh inhabited some places that are you know kind of unforgiving in a way and just kind of sitting out in the middle of the ocean anyway um love love the polynesian culture hence why i'm here um, love the love the the coconut palms the, the the trade winds the the way the the wind breezes through coconuts it's i could watch that listen to that forever okay so we have a couple of questions um that came out of last week's show the first one is uh lisa m from michigan what do i do with extra basil um, great question. And basil is one of those plants that is, oh, it's in the fa- same family as mint. So it's it's kind of a prolific grower, has the same color flower as mint, and also, um, you know, grows vigorous and has great pungent leaves. Uh, basil and mint, both really pungent. The thing with basil is, of course, it, in, it loves hot weather, hates the cold, can't stand the cold, loves the heat, and gets up and runs. So you end up at some point during the growing season, you end up with all this extra basil. So here's what I do with basil. Basically, I try to pinch it back as best I can and use it fresh, you know, of course, as best I can. But when it hits that point where no matter how many times a day you go out there and pinch it back, it seems like you turn around and look back at it and it's it's pushing new growth and it's about to flower. So here's what I do with it. I just cut cut all that basil down, uh, cut it almost a third back, and I basically turn it into pesto and the great thing about pesto is um, you know basil dries well it doesn't freeze well but when you mix it into a pesto 
I can freeze it and then reuse it. Pesto is great, of course, in pasta, chicken dishes. You can put it on top of um, a fresh grilled steak. That's one of the, the ways I like to use it the most. Um, but here is my um, basil recipe. And it's basically a quarter cup pine nuts, one medium clove garlic, two third cups of a good palm tree, uh, parmesan cheese, uh, a third of a cup of pecorino cheese, and then a third of a cup of extra virgin olive oil. You may you may need a little bit more olive oil than that. Uh, you can add to it to get it to the consistency you want to freeze. But then again, you uh, then you just kind of put that into a food processor, uh, give that all a good uh, mix up, and you can actually mix the pine nuts and the cheese together first, and then add the basil and make that into a pesto. I put it into ice block ice cube trays and then freeze it and then put it into Ziploc baggies from there. And then you've got a whole year's worth of fresh basil. So that ingredient list again, quarter cup pine nuts, one medium clove garlic, two third cups palm, one third cup pecorino, um, one third cup extra virgin olive oil. You may need a little more. And then two cups of basil. Two cups of basil go with all that into the food processor. Bang, Bob's your uncle. You've got some um, great, great, fantastic tasting pesto and you'll have the taste of summer all through the winter season which is really really uh, nice really really nice as well put on top of grilled steak you'll love it Gina B from Minneapolis her question is if you don't have a green thumb or what's the best beginner houseplant so I've given this quite a bit of thought um, Gina and pound for pound dollar for dollar and there's, there's a ton of houseplants that are hardy. But my favorite is the ZZ plant. Um, it's from Eastern Africa. And it has kind of a bulbous rhizome type root to it. And you'll see that it kind of swells a little bit too. And that holds water. It holds water in drought conditions. And basically makes it um, bulletproof to neglect or lack of watering, too much water doesn't matter it stores it basically stores its own water which makes it super hardy it has a glossy green leaf um, almost can't beat it for for a hardiness when, when it comes to light it'll tolerate low light it'll also tolerate high light um, it grows relatively slowly so it won't kind of run away run away on you and become like this crazy houseplant that's grown through your windows and and, and so forth so zz plant zemicolis zemicolis Zamifolia, hence the name ZZ, Z and Z, genus and species from Eastern Africa. You'll find them at your favorite local garden shop. Okay, I mentioned at the top of the cast that um, I had a chance to go out to the um, horticultural research station out by the uh, run by the University of Minnesota, and they've produced something like 160 plant introductions since 1908. Uh, 29 apples. Uh, the most famous being um, Honeycrisp, and then uh, a bunch of shrubs. But they've also introduced about 12 grape varieties. The, the claim to fame is the Frontenac grape. It's a red grape. But but they have just come out with a new uh, white grape. It's called Clarion. Had the chance uh, last week to talk to uh, or get together with Drew uh, Horton. He's, uh, he's one of the grape researchers out there. And for about 20 years now, they've been uh, researching this, this clarion grape. It went under the, the research name 1220. And um, it is very reminiscent. And, and Drew also 
makes wine. And he came up with a wine variety. Uh, they basically came up with, with this variety called Clarion. And it's very reminiscent of a New Zealand Savion Blanc. So I had the chance to try that last week. And let me tell you, um, if you can get your hands on Clarion, it might take a couple of years. And it's, it's truly like a Zone 5 plant. So if you're by me in, in uh, the Minnesota area, it's going to be marginally hardy. But if you're in Iowa or anywhere in the, you know, the upper Midwest lower than, or if you're in Zone 5, Clarion, great. My gosh, um, some great work there by the, by the folks at the University of Minnesota. They're out, um, out of the Horticultural Research Station. But, but definitely keep your eye on Clarion Grape. Well, that about wraps up this edition of Dale Kay's Big Backyard. I've enjoyed bringing this one to you live from the beautiful island of Oahu in the state of Hawaii. If you have a gardening question, easy to do. If you want to share your success, um, share uh, some troubles that you've been having, share some pictures of your of, of your backyard, um, it's easy to do. Dale Kay Garden Guy on Instagram. Let's connect there. We'll answer your questions right here on the podcast. Um, but that's a great way that we can get a little community get together and share some great information about gardening. Dale Kay's Big Backyard is a production of Big Backyard Media. It's co-produced by me, Dale Kay, and Chip Elmquist. I'd love to hear from you and answer all your questions. Thanks for joining me here on Dale Kay's Big Backyard, and we'll see you right here next week.